This Life Ain't For Everybody racks up more downloads per week than any other podcast combined. Yeah, a thousand million. I go above and beyond on that portion of it. It's not like a get up and do a nine to five. (laughs) It's host Jed Building. He's a brilliant broadcaster, outdoorsman, entrepreneur, and snake milker. Who would say that? But he's also a billionaire, former president, you know, friggin' whatever. Everything you're about to hear is real. Real people, real experiences, and real bullshit. When you have to shit your pants, do you do it in front of her? I like to do it in the truck and then lock the windows, you know? They want to make sure that remains private. If I knew the guy that succumbed to that, I would rip his ass. (laughs) Boy, that's funny. This was locker room talk. It makes a little bit more sense now. Kinda. Get ready to experience the audio thrill of a lifetime as Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding. Chad Belding. Here we are again. This Life Ain't For Everybody talking fight game. UFC, mixed martial arts, MMA. We talk about boxing today, the sweet science, the footwork, the jabs, the hooks, the counters, the uppercuts, Mike Tyson, how unbelievable a lot of these boxers are, the leverage that they get, and how it compares to mixed martial arts and MMA and UFC and Bellator and kicks and grappling and jiu-jitsu and getting choked out and getting tapped out. We got my main man, Cody Stainham, weight fighter in the UFC. He's fighting to get back in the top 15. He's been there for so long. He'll be back in a heartbeat. We know that Sugar Sean just won the belt and he has got to give my man Cody a shot at the title. I know that Cody's got him in his sights. He's going to fight his way back. This guy is a pleasure to have in our camps, in our studio, his conversation, the banter. He loves to talk smack and he's really, really good at it. We didn't do a ton of stuff. The morale and the self-discipline that mixed martial arts teaches you. Should everybody get into wrestling? What does wrestling teach you in Cody's wrestling background? How Cody deals with the trash talk and internet trolls? I just mentioned that, but there's a lot of haters out there you wouldn't want to talk smack to this cat i mean this guy ain't real tall maybe five seven he don't weigh a lot maybe a buck 55 but he will whip that butt i promise you i'm telling you this is an awesome conversation i love the fight game i can't wait till cody's back in the octagon and we're going to be right back with the spartan cody stamen right after we pay some bills we're going to break to hear some words from our sponsors i appreciate y'all listening to this life ain't for everybody it's the fight game we'll be right back this life ain't for everybody. Workout field by Jack Daniels. Five rounds of sparring, four rounds of grappling. Didn't fucking get hit once. Put two guys on their fucking ass. I mean, Chad, listen, I'm a bad motherfucker, dude. Every single fucking day. Bobby Stamen did not let his foot off the gas pedal. Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding. We'll return in a moment. Bullshit. So just hold your horses, people. Chad Belding! We travel a lot. We're up and down America's highways, byways, thoroughways, cornfields, dirt roads, back roads, country roads. Love seeing that dust in our rear view. Love looking over and seeing the sun set, the sunrise, mallard ducks pitching in to a pond in Kansas, a coyote howling in Wyoming, an antelope standing on the side of the road in Nevada. We get to do this all through Ford trucks. Corning Ford, Paul. Francis, the entire crew, the customer service, the service department, the selection, the dedication to excellence and quality, the number one Ford Super Duty dealer in the West United States five years in a row. They're in the top 10 in the country and they're in a little tiny town, Corning, California. 5,000 people deep maybe, but the construction, the farming, the ranching, the almonds, the walnuts, the olives, the duck hunting, the fishing, the deer hunting and turkey hunting, predator hunting, you name it. Corning Ford is part of it. They support our lifestyle, their pricing. They refuse to mark them up. Give them a try. They'll deliver your truck 
anywhere in the country. They've delivered them to Alaska, Florida, so many to Nevada, so many to Northern California, all over Arizona and Colorado. They've delivered three to Tennessee. They delivered one to Minnesota to our friend Andrew at Wild Acre Kennels. It's Corning Ford. They support the outdoors, and there's nothing better than a Ford truck. These 2023 Ford Super Duties, F-250s, F-350s, the long bed, the short bed, the tremor package. Watch your speed. Set that cruise control because sometimes you'll look down and be like, I'm not going that fast. Something's got to be broken. And you're pulling a trailer, and you got a leered topper on the back of it. The bed of your truck is full. They're meant for hauling. They're meant for towing. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Paul. There's nowhere better in the country to buy your next Ford vehicle or Ford Super Duty truck than Corning Ford. Thank you all for supporting them. Looking for a high-quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years of experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and performance best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear's got you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and take your driving experience to the next level. Cody the Spartan Stamen has plenty of gas in the tank to take on Chad, the Duck Norris building. For the Jack Daniels Presents, this life ain't for everybody title shot. What would happen if I had to go toe-to-toe with another man? Fucking eat you alive. All three judges score this contest. 30-27 for the winner, Cody the Spartan we kick off this brutal ass whooping provided by Cody the Spartan Statement. Don't forget to sit back and relax with some of Jack Daniels' original Tennessee Sour Mash whiskey and make it count. Now, here's your daring opponents, Chad Belding and Mr. Stamen. Do you have to stay in shape year-round because I saw you jogging today? We went out for a little bit last night. Is this the mentality of all UFC fighters because you could get a call at any time to maybe even fill in if you don't have a scheduled fight? I definitely don't think it's the mentality of all UFC fighters, but I think if you want to stay in the UFC, fight the best in the world, I think that you have to be in shape 365. So right now, if you got a 10-day notice, could you get in three to five round cage-worthy shape? Like you're right on the verge of it at any time? No, I don't think it works like that. I mean, you there's mandatory recovery times for your body. I mean, like this week is like a recovery week for me. Like, uh, I'm here, and then Thursday I'm going home hunting. So it's like every five weeks, like the sixth week, I'll take like a week off and just kind of let my body recover. But no, it's impossible to stay in, in fight shape 365 without injuring yourself. I've just been doing this a long time, and I've kind of gotten to know, you know, when my body starts to decline, when I'm getting at high risk for injury. I know how to stay like right at that 70% level where if, like you said, I get it call on 10 days notice you know i probably don't have the best 15 minutes of my life in me but i can fight hard for 10 minutes and win a fight what if you had to go fight sugar sean right now he's the champion in your weight division he just won the belt two three weeks ago he has a pretty cool story he's got an unorthodox approach to his fight game great footwork good hands good kicks I don't know if he's a technician on the ground. I don't. I haven't really seen he's, that part of. He's pretty game. slick. I mean, he's slick everywhere. He's <laughs> everywhere. Slick everywhere. Yeah, you have to be. Uh, I know you're not afraid of anybody, Cody. But does it go through your mind when you see somebody like that? Of like, there's no way I could beat this guy. Or do you always have to have this attitude of if Dana calls or they put this fight together, I could go whip Sugar Sean's ass. 
I think that every single athlete in the top 20 in the world believes that on any given day, they're the best athlete in the world. And I'm definitely no different. You know, I've called for the Sugar Sean fight for years. I mean, we have a few, we fought a few of the same guys. Do I, I mean, stylistically, I think there's a lot of issues with that guy. You know what I mean? He's a really good athlete. He moves well. He's a lot longer than me. It's going to be tough to get inside. But I mean, just from a physical standpoint, having that big a frame, like I'm a shit brick house. I get a hold of that dude. He's in trouble, you know, and that's, it's kind of like a Connor Chad situation. You know what I mean? Obviously Connor could pick Chad apart on the inside, but when Chad got a hold of Connor and got on the inside and hit him, he hurt him, you know? So do I think I could go beat Sugar Sean right now in a five round fight? I think I'd have to take him out in two rounds, you know, uh, just cause stylistically I have to be in so much better shape than him going into that fight because I have all of the disadvantages on my feet. Like I have to close the distance. I have to get to that guy. Uh, and that takes a lot of energy and to he, the best thing he can do is just run away from me, you know? So in a fight like that, you have to be in insanely good shape. So the, the short answer is no, I don't think that if I got in a five round fight with Sean O'Malley right now, I could beat him. If I had eight weeks to prepare for him, uh, and to get in the best shape of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. I could whoop his ass. No problem. I mean, there's going to be some problems. We're going to get beat up, but I mean, I think I come out on top just because, you know, he's a little city boy and I'm not. <laughs> little city boy, huh? What What are you, where are you in your career right now? You haven't had a fight in a minute. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I've spent, it's really only been like four months. I fought twice this year. Well, I guess it just seems like it's been I just, longer. Yeah, it does. It feels like it's been a year, but uh, I mean, in my career, I have like, uh, 14 UFC fights. I've literally fought probably every guy that no one wants to fight in the UFC. You know, early, early on in my UFC career too, you know, like my fourth UFC fight, I was fighting, you know, former champ Aljamain Sterling. So uh, I got thrown to the wolves fast and it was my own stupidity and ego that kind of let that happen. You know what I mean? Like I was telling everybody I was the best. I was this, I was that. And I went after the top right away. And that was, you know, really, if there's a mistake that I made in my career, it was just like trying to move too fast. You know, I didn't take the time to build. And now I'm at a point where I've literally fought the best in the world. Uh, I have wins over some of the best guys in the world. And, you know, it's just I'm probably, you know, two, three fights away from being, you know, where I believe I'm capable of being and that's at the very top you know what I mean being one of those guys that could easily fight for the belt you know so it's just about right now it's kind of like a time it's like a do or die time for me it's like I either make my run for the top like right now or like I'm like a journeyman in the sport you know what I mean I'm like the guy that hangs out for the paycheck for the next three years and I just like can never imagine myself being that guy you know like if I'm not competing with the best guys in the world like I I have no business doing this shit because I mean, fighting is, is hard enough. You know, I, I, I never wanted to be anything but the best, you know what I mean? The money for me is just a bonus. Like I thoroughly enjoy doing this. I love this life. You know, I love this lifestyle. Like you were doing a business meeting and like, I just went for a three mile run. Like I didn't have to do that. Like I want to do that, you know? And that's like the difference between good and great athletes. Like, I think great athletes want to be better every single day. You know, good athletes, 
you know, they want all the extracurricular shit that comes with being an athlete. So at this point right now with your resume, what you've done in these 14 fights, you said that you have fought and beat some of the best fighters in the world. What's the roadmap look like right now to get in the cage with Sugar Sean then to, to have that fight scheduled, have eight weeks to train for it in a strong camp? Do you have to beat three more top 10 opponents? How how does Cody get a championship shot so you don't become a journeyman? I mean, it just starts with probably one guy outside the top 15, a call out with someone in the top 15. Cause I was in the top 15 for a long time and there's good and bad places to be in that area. Like I was like ranked from like the highest, like seventh in the world to like uh 13th. And like when I was seventh, you get those big fights, those real, real big fights, fights, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Marab Devalishvili, like the fights that you, that kind of make or break you moving forward. Uh, but if you're in that top, like 13 to f- like 10 to 15 area, you're fighting. It's really hard to get because no one, no one in the top 10 wants to fight you and everyone outside the top 15, the young guns that are coming up that are studs that really no one's ever heard about. Like those are the guys you have to fight. You got to fight some dude that's on like a six, some Russian guy that's on a six fight win streak that no one knows outside of Russia. Uh, you know, so you're fighting like a relatively unknown person that is super skilled and like there's really no huge upside because they're not ranked you know so like i don't want to be in any of those fights ever again in my career i want to be top 15 and then i want to i want to go after somebody that's in the top five you know what i mean like i look at like who i should fight i think i should fight rob font i think i should fight pedro munoz like some guys that have been around that have established names that are like known to be, you know, killers in the cage, guys that have, you know, big fight experience. Like those are the kind of fights that, that kind of excite me and that, that I want. I don't want to fight somebody that you've never heard of that, you know, might be the next big thing because I've literally done that. You know what I mean? Like I fought, I fought to a really close decision against Rob Devalishvili, who's like probably the next guy to fight Sugar Sean. I thought I won the fight. He obviously thought he won the fight. He ends up winning the decision. And like that was a, I mean, which one was this? Robbed Marab. How long ago was this? Uh, maybe a year and a half ago, and like that was like the fight to move forward. And it was like a, it was like a fight where if I had another minute, like it would have been over. But like that fight kind of propelled him to be where he is now, and then it dropped me back, you know, to where I am now. So it's, it's. I mean, and you fighting. Thought, is, you thought the decision could have went either way. I mean, I thought I won the fight. Uh, what the critics say? I mean. Everybody loves Marab, so like getting, you know what I mean. My fans thought I won. His fans thought he won. The MMA critics—they're always going to side with. What about this last fight? That was so, a terrible decision. You went into protest. Did they? Did they get a conclusion to that? No, I mean, I literally don't think anything is going to happen. You know what I mean? No contest. Best case scenario, I'll never get the win from that fight. It's just—it's literally like a fight. That's like a wash for me. Complete wash. You know, it doesn't move you forward, doesn't move you back. It does absolutely nothing for my career. That's why it's like I'm like pushing so hard. I mean, I just had a talk with Jason this morning. I'm like sending him names like, dude, what do you think about these guys? Can we make this happen? Let's do this November, December. I mean, even the end of October, I'd be willing to fight, you know. So something will happen, you know, before the end of the year. And then, you know, 2024 is kind of the year I got to make some shit happen. I got to go after I got to go after some big names and I think I'm coming from a place of experience now, not from a place of like, I think I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. I think 
I'm coming from a place where like I have been in the cage with the elites, the number one, number two guys in the world. So it's for me, there's not, I'm not going to get those same jitters that I got initially. You know what I mean? I don't. What if you had to fight Sterling again? I think I whoop him. I mean, I was whooping him. He hit me with a good body shot. He uh, did some weird shit to my leg, busted my knee up, you know, but that was a, I mean, I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to cry and make excuses because I'm not that kind of guy, but I mean, he was basically, I was getting up. He grabbed a hold of my leg, bent my knee in a way that like my knee was already compromised going into that fight and then pretty much snapped my LCL and that was it. But I mean, to that point, I took him down a bunch of times. I hurt him with a couple body shots. Like I've trained with Sterling. Like I, I trained with him, you know, when he was getting ready to fight Peter Jan and I asked that it wasn't filmed and then they filmed it anyways. And, uh, afterwards I was like, you know, I like went to his camera guy and I was like, send me that video. And his camera guy was like, no, 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 I can't send you that. And I'm like, you can't send that because I just whooped his ass for two rounds. You know what I mean? Like it was different. And then I never got invited back because, you know, that I think they thought that I was going to be a punching bag. And I don't know. Sterling has a different respect for me now. I think. What about Yon? Is he still in the weight division? Yeah, yeah. Peter Yon, I think honestly, He's tough. P- Peter Yon's I think the best guy in the division. I think he beat Sugar Sean O'Malley. I think he whooped Aljamain Sterling. I think Peter Yon is the toughest. What do you fight mean you in, think he whooped Sterling? I mean, the first time they fought, he absolutely was putting him down. You know what I mean? And then the second fight they had, if you're going on a damage criteria, what damage does Sterling do? Sterling held his back for two rounds, almost three rounds, you know? And But when they were on their feet, it really came down to the first round, like a, the feeling out round in a championship fight, like who won? I thought Jan won. I thought Jan won the fight. You know, I definitely thought Jan beat Sugar Sean O'Malley. That guy, for me, is the most terrifying guy in the division. You know what I mean? Like he, he beat Corey Sanhagen in a fight, like maybe one of the best performances I've ever seen a 135-pound man put on against anyone. I mean, I think... Everyone is looking at Peter Jan like, I don't want to fight this dude. But at the same time, Peter Jan's last fight against Marab Devalishvili, a guy that I fought, Marab killed him. I mean, worked this dude. Like five rounds, unanimous decision, whooped him for 25 minutes. Like beat him up and down the court for 25 minutes straight. So, What'd you do uh, against that guy? Against Marab? Um, you know, we had a, we had a pretty crazy back and forth fight. I heard him early in the first round. I hit him with a head kick. He kind of wobbled and then I actually stuck him with like a hard jab. He wobbled again. He got a couple takedowns. First round was close. Second round, I think he definitely won. Third round, like he's a gas tank guy, you know? So like going into the third round, I didn't really know what to expect. But then, you know, in the third round, like I was taking him down. Like I won, I ended the fight on top. You know, I thought, you know, I really thought it was, could have went either way. Uh, but it was like a crazy back and forth fight. Maybe one or two minor adjustments. You know, I was, I was throwing bombs at the kid when really all I needed to do was throw a jab, you know, and it was just like an emotional thing. Like I, I wanted to, I don't know why, like nothing personal against him. him. I wanted to fucking hurt him. Yeah. I wanted to hurt him. And when I saw that I could hurt him, you know what I mean? The rest of the fight, I was looking for that kill shot when I should have just, you know, went back to the game plan and just stuck and moved the whole time. But that's definitely one that I definitely want to get back. I mean, him and Sterling are two guys that are on my shit list. <laughs> and it's just about, you know, getting the right fights before and then going back after those guys. Was it Sterling that 
in the Peter Yawn fight that he sh- that he accepted the win when everybody gave him all that shit when he should have said no let's run he, it back what he, what happened to he should he should have well I mean so Peter Yawn need him on the ground and then he did this huge acting performance and acted like he was all like messed up and like as a fighter I know what it looks like when you're really hurt you know what I mean and as a so fighter, he had the choice to stand and, and fight yeah he had a, he had the choice to continue. I mean, he was getting his ass whooped. I mean, he was getting thrown around. He like knew a it was time dog. to get out of there with the victory because yeah, of an yeah, illegal yeah. knee. And honestly, that illegal knee like set him up to be in the position that he is today. Because they fought again. Sterling obviously learned a ton in the first fight after Jan whooped his ass. So they fight again. Sterling realizes like I have to get on this motherfucker's back and hold on to him because I can't beat him on our feet. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. I don't have. I don't have the skills to do that. And then he fought, you know, probably the fight of his life, the next fight against Peter Yan. And the fight of his life was like hanging out on this dude's back. I mean, Sterling is like, he's got like that X factor. Like he gets on your back, like he calls himself like the human backpack. And that is 100% true. That sucker got on my back. I couldn't shake him off. That's the only time anyone's gotten on my back my entire fight career. And he is very, very good in that position. You know, so he did that against Yan, scraped out a split decision win. And then, you know, that set him up to fight a injured TJ Dillashaw. And, you know, then obviously the O'Malley fight that, you know, didn't go his way. But he's forever known as a UFC champion now, which is crazy because he was getting whooped, dude. I mean, fighting is fighting is so crazy. I mean, like, think about and this. you whooped him in this this sparring session that they won't yeah. give you the video. Then yeah. you fought him and it, he beat you. Yep, he did. And you want to run it back? I would run it back. I'd run it back tomorrow, dude. We could fight at 155 pounds. Yeah, I would, I would definitely. I'd love to fight Algerman Sterling again. But, I mean, fighting is so crazy. It's like this crazy game of inches, right? I mean, you look at look at what just happened this weekend. Uh, Sean Strickland, Izzy is, like, known to be, like, one of the stereotypical, he's, like, the best kickboxer, the slickest dude in the UFC. You know what I mean? Like, He's just he's just known to be like three steps ahead of everybody. Sean Strickland, not known to be a technician, known to be a guy that like walks forward, sits in a Philly shell, throws a really hard jab, and he's just like tough, just a tough guy, just stays in the fight all the time. And Strickland literally backs Izzy down, the best kickboxer in the world, beats him on his feet, doesn't wrestle him. Could have, I mean, I assumed, you know what I mean? Like we trained at the same gym. Like I assumed, I watched... Sean Strickland trained for this fight. Like, I assumed he was going out there and he was desperately going for takedowns the whole fight. Like, that was his best game plan to win. He threw the game plan out the window, walked the best kickboxer down, and, like, beat this guy up on his feet. In no reality would I have believed that was possible until after it happened. I mean, it it doesn't even make sense. Like, to an MMA fan, to a fighter, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, that fight should not have gone that way. And it's just like, Izzy has a bad night. Sean Strickland is coming with nothing to lose and just walks this dude down and whoops his ass. You know what I mean? Like a good Did he old, whoop his ass? He whooped his ass. I mean, like, Izzy and, didn't even, he wasn't even engaging. He wasn't, I don't know if Sean got in his head. I don't know if it was like the verbal abuse before the fight. You know what I mean? Like some Mike Tyson shit. I don't know what happened, but I mean, he he fought scared the whole time. Like he wanted nothing to do. With Sean Strickland, Sean hurt him in the first round, almost finished him. And the rest of the fight, I'm telling you, Izzy was on his back foot, like circling to the cage. Sean would cut him off. He'd run away, circling back to the cage. It was it was honestly a terrible fight, terrible, but terrible because the champion didn't even 
engage. Try. He didn't even try. He, I mean, the dude did nothing the whole fight. He threw fakes and feints and a few punches here and there, some leg kicks. Like, it was exhausting. It was an embarrassing fight, I mean, for Izzy. I saw some reports about, you know, after Izzy's last loss, he got the automatic rematch and came back and wins the belt back. Yeah. And then people were saying there's no way he deserves that automatic rematch again. How does that work in in the fight game of – Money. Does he automatically get another rematch against Sean because he's been such a good champion? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it just comes down to money. And I think one thing about Izzy and the reason he gets those automatic rematches is because, like, no one's really putting it out there like Izzy is. You know, like, once guys become champion, they kind of sit on the belt and they try to collect all the money they can while they're the champion. You know what I mean? They're out doing endorsement shit. They're out, like, messing around. And, like, Izzy's been the guy that's, like, consistently defending his belt all the time. So, I mean, the UFC loves him as a champion because they can make these big fights and the division moves. You know what I mean? Like, it's exciting. Everybody wants to see, like, these big dudes go out and hammer each other. And Izzy's a superstar. And that guy's, like, willing to put it put it on, like, every single time. You know, after a performance like that, though, do I think Izzy deserves an automatic rematch? Like, no. But He's 4-3 and three in his last seven. I almost guarantee that the UFC will give him that automatic rematch because now they've fought. There's already, like, bad blood intention because – I mean, Sean Strickland is like, I mean, how do I describe him? He's like trailer park boy. He's got no filter on anything he says. You know, he's like telling women to stay in the kitchen and like everything he says is controversial. You know what I mean? Every single thing he says is like a, it's like a tagline. You know what I mean? It's a headline for like a good article that people want to read, you know? So he's super marketable and he's putting cheeks in seats. I mean, and then Izzy, you know, Izzy's a freaking superstar. So like they will make that fight again because ultimately the UFC is a business. It comes down to dollars and cents, you know, like they're going to make that fight again. Cause I mean, they probably killed it last time. They'll kill it. Even it'll be even bigger the second time. It's kind of a weird deal though, because I was talking to a major league baseball player the other day and we were talking about rehab stints and come like when you go, you hurt yourself and you got to go down to the minor leagues, right? Yeah. Walker was telling me that, you know, that takes innings away from a pitcher that might be breaking out and going to the show. Or if you're a center fielder and you're going down back to double A, you might be taking out bats and a guy yeah. could be going three for four with two bombs that night, but he's got to sit because this major leaguer comes back. When it comes to the fight game, you have styles that match up. Styles win fights sometimes. Yep. So you got Izzy that goes in there, gets beat by a guy that didn't have the style to beat Izzy, really got off of his game plan of wrestling and taking him down. He wins. Strickland wins the fight. Now Izzy gets an automatic rematch if he does. Well, that's like kind of the same analogy, right? Well, that might take away a guy that could match up to Strickland better than that guy could match up to Izzy, which I understand the fight game. If you're going to be the champion, you got to beat the champion. But if Izzy gets an automatic rematch, there might be the number three guy or whatever that's like, wait, I got a great chance to what you said be forever known as a UFC champion. I yeah. could easily, I could have a better chance of beating Strickland than I would Izzy. Yeah. You know, if Izzy's on his A game, does that make sense? There's literally a guy that's sitting like Jordan Cannonier. He's, he's literally should be 100%. Like if you look at it, take every, all the politics, all the money, take everything away. Like Jordan Cannonier is the next guy. Like he should be the next guy fighting for the title. He won't get that shot. Izzy will get an automatic rematch. And like Jordan Cannonier already lost to Izzy. Like, it's a crazy mess and it's not like tournament style play where like uh, or like baseball or any other sport where it's like you match up against these teams multiple times. You have multiple opportunities to find out who's the best. It's like, no, it's like one night 
it's like an Eminem song. It's like, well, you got one shot, one opportunity to make it all happen. And you have an off night. He has a great night. Like that might set your career back two years, you know? Yeah. And like fighting is just so crazy like that. And like, you'll hear fighters say all the time, like, it's not always the best guy that wins. Yep. You know what I mean? Like there are probably guys sitting in the top 20, you know, me included that on any given night could beat every single dude in the UFC. That dude might never get his shot because, you know, because of politics or because of timing, maybe he gets an opportunity for a big fight, blows his knee out. You know what I mean? And then he's never the same. Like, I mean, being an athlete is hard. There's so many variables to what we do and like so many things out of your control that you, you know what I mean? Like you have no idea like who your next matchup is. Like it might be like a stylistic nightmare for you. And you know, like if you want the opportunity, like you got to figure it out and you know, and, and it's just, it's wild because like when I got in the UFC, it was different. You know what I mean? Like the UFC was owned by the Fertitas, it wasn't like an entertainment based company. It was like the best guys were getting the opportunities, yeah. you know, and then Connor came in and changed everything. He, I mean, he changed the way like MMA works, you know what I mean? And now it's like the loudmouth guys that are getting the opportunity. And like, we talked about it last night, you know, is it like, should I be that loudmouth guy? Should I like compromise my integrity and my morals and just start saying, whatever I think is going to like sell a fight or get sell you a fight. fight. You know, I mean, I, I, I get like selling a fight, like talking shit. Like I love talking shit. I mean, we talk shit nonstop, but it's, I mean, dude, it goes past that now. You know what I mean? Like people are talking about people's families and I mean, they're making they're it throwing, personal. They're, they're make, throwing gates through bus windows to dude. They're making the dudes become, it's become something else. You know what I mean? And it's wild to me that like, this is what the sports become. You know what I mean? It's 100%. It's like, like we were talking about, it's like real WWE. There's like the entertainment side and then there's like what you can do in the cage and to get the opportunities that you need in MMA, like you got to be able to do both. You know what I mean? You got to be a fucking nutcase outside the cage and then inside the cage, you got to be that same nutcase. You know, you got to back it up. And like, those are the guys that get the opportunities. Now. It's not necessarily, it's not like baseball. It's not like, you know, football where guys get on the mic and they're like, yeah, you know, we played pretty good tonight. Offensive line, you know, they did their job. Receivers caught the ball. You know, it's not like that. It's like, fuck your mother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like, it's it's wild. It's like, I hate this motherfucker. Like, I don't even know who this guy is, but because I'm fighting him, like, fuck his girlfriend, fuck him. It's just this huge entertainment side of fighting that, I mean, in my eyes, has no business being there. Like, I just think there's like personal lines you shouldn't cross. Like, morally for me, like, that. There's been so many opportunities where, you know, fans and, and people are like, dude, there's an opportunity for you to say this and like say something personal about somebody. And like, this would be like a huge hit. Like your fight would get like sold out. Like my third UFC fight, I was fighting Brian Caraway, number six guy in the world. Really, the guy was a douche. And like, I went after him as a douche. Like, dude, you're, you're a douche. You're an old man. Like, I'm going to beat your ass. But it was between him and I, you know what I mean? I'm talking shit about his skill in the, in the cage. And he just had like a really bad, like public breakup with his girlfriend, Misha Tate, who at the time was the UFC champ. And everybody was like, dude, you got to start hitting him on this. You got to start hitting him on this. And like, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, what do you think about this? And she was like, Cody, that's not the kind of person you want to be. Like, that's not the legacy you want to want to lead. And... I'm like, you're right, I don't, you know, and I don't even care. Like, I'm not gonna 
compromise my integrity to like shit on somebody because it's gonna like get tagged in a bunch of shit. You're exactly right. Take the higher ground and let your technique and skills as a fighter do the talking for you. But I gotta jump in real fast and mention that we need to pay some bills and we'll return in just a moment with UFC fighter, Cody Stamen. On this episode of Let's Get to Know Chad Building Better, we'll be getting to know Chad Building better. So Chad, what music are you playing right now? Playing some Whiskey Myers. And who would you say is your all-time best friend? Carrie LaVox, voice of an angel, the songbird of our generation. Cody Jinks, Adam Hood, Brent Cobb, Leith Lofton, Chris Knight, Travis Tritt, Waylon. Who knows? Final question. It's been rumored that you started numerous rock bands and were the original lead singer in most of them. Which bands were they? Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Seven Dust, Slipknot maybe, I don't know, Quiet Riot, Def Leppard, Molly Crew. <laughs> Huh, never heard of them. I don't want that to be forgotten. I don't want that to be taken for granted. It's because there's no ego. There's no one-uppers. Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody with Chad Belding. We'll return in a moment. Chad Belding! Hey, everybody. It's Chad Belling with the Foul Life Podcast. I'm so excited to announce the 2023 Benelli Migration Madness Sweepstakes. From August 1st through October 31st, 2023, go to shoot-on.com. Again, that is shoot-on.com forward slash Benelli Migration Madness for your chance to be entered to win over $15,000 in prizes, including a collection of Benelli Super Black Eagle 3s and 3.5 inch 12 gauge, 3 inch 20 gauge and the new 28 gauge all decked out in the new real tree max 7 camouflage pattern also included is a four thousand dollar online shopping spree from our friends at banded greenhead gear and avery outdoors plus three cases of ammo for each of the sbe3s from federal premium and a pair of wing shooter alpha shield hearing protection that are valued at over fourteen hundred dollars a pair it's the 2023 benelli migration madness sweepstakes brought to you by our friends at banded and federal premium ammunition from august 1st to october 31st again go to shoot-on.com forward slash benelli migration madness to be entered to win that fifteen thousand dollars in prizes i'm chad belding good luck to everybody We've had the provider mentality for a long time. Growing up and watching dad and mom cook wild game, whether it was an Italian lasagna or a spaghetti, I watched in awe and I couldn't wait to be old enough to do it. Then we got to travel and meet all of these different chefs at all these different lodges in Argentina and Uruguay or Paraguay or Arkansas or Missouri or Chef Mark Lindsay who you hear on the podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody, a lot up in Minnesota at Trapper's Landing, part of the Reed's family of brands. And I started to learn so many different unorthodox, out-of-the-box ways of preparing Mr. Billy Bogey's smothered deer steak at Prairie Wings Duck Club in Arkansas or the duck empanadas at Duck Guides of Argentina. And they all became part of the Provider Cookbook, the Provider Mentality. At theproviderlife.com, our rubs, our original 10 in the Ultimate Pack, including the swine and the flaky, the spawn, the drop time, the foul, the crosshairs, the Brit, the dragon, the Sonora. Then we introduced the brand beef rub and the mother cluck and chicken rub. And you can find recipes at theproviderlife.com. Check out the Provider TV on the My Outdoor TV app, Mo TV, part of the Outdoor Sportsman's Group and the Outdoor Channel family of brands. We got more coming. We got so much more coming. Good luck out in the field. Good luck out on the rivers. I hope you get those wild turkey nuggets and that pickle juice right away and get ready to throw down with some different rubs on them. The provider lifestyle. We're so honored to live it. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be outdoorsmen, hunter, gatherers, conservationists, and providers. Again, theproviderlife.com. Thank you for visiting. 
We're back, and it's time to clinch the win as Jack Daniels presents This Life Ain't For Everybody and Cody the Spartan Statement's complete domination over chat building on today's broadcast. And as chat takes a liver shot, we'd like to thank Jack Daniels, Corning Ford, Mickey Thompson Tires, Oakley Sunglasses, and American Almond Beef. Now, here's chat building and Cody Stamen. We're back. And thanks for listening to Jack Daniels Presents This Life Ain't For Everybody as we're joined by my good buddy and UFC badass Cody the Spartan Stamen. So before we cut the break, you were mentioning all the trash talk that takes place now and that it's all clickbait. And this is, you know, I get on this kick a bunch, Cody, but everybody is up for that instant gratification of yeah. my social media is going to go nuts about this. Like yeah. Strickland can get on his social media, you get up. Connor can get on social media. You got Nate Diaz that can get on social media or you go to a press conference. And now it's like you don't even need that press conference to get the message out there. You can just go on and film a selfie video, put it out there. And then every MMA circuit channel platform picks it up. ESPN picks it up. And now all of a sudden, Sean Strickland just said this about Sean O'Malley or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he, they, they pick it up and it's just out there. You can literally, I could pick up this phone right now, say something controversial, send it out on my social media. And then somebody's going to be like, Oh my God, did you hear what Belding said? And that yeah. social media has changed the way that we get our messaging out there. And you can either choose to be dirty on there. You could choose to go after people and say shit. Like you say that Strickland says all the time, or you could have the Hendo approach where you don't talk smack. You don't give a shit about how many likes you get. Yeah. And you just become a legendary fighter because of of what Beating you proved. It, ass yeah, and what you proved in the octagon. Yeah. You know, you like then you go to like MMA event, right? And like so I did like UFCX, you were there. I mean, you were at the thing. Like hardcore MMA fans, like I get swarmed by those people. But then like if I go to like an event with like a bunch of kids and stuff, they don't know who I am. Because, like, I'm not that guy that's, like, hitting their social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the 16-year-old kid to where, like, a guy like Sean O'Malley, who's, you know what I mean? Like, doing all the weird shit he does, smoking dope, like, acting like an idiot. Like, that guy, like, every, like, you know, all the young kids know who he is. Like, I hung out with these high school kids that were, like, a, a friend of the family. And they all came. They wanted to meet me. I hung out with, like, literally 16-year-old boys. And, like, all they could talk about was, like... Oh man, Sugar Sean O'Malley this, Sugar Sean O'Malley this. Did you see he's got a pink Lamborghini? Like, I realized like that's like the demographic that is on social media. And like those are the people that kind of move the needle now. You know what I mean? It's like the younger kids. And like, and if you're out being a douchebag, those younger kids, like they follow you. They want to see what you're doing. They want to know, they want to know what's going on. And I want to be a decent role model for kids. Like, I don't want to be like out being a degenerate. And is that really the audience that I care about? Is that the audience? Am I trying to like impress a 16 year old kid by being like a, no, should You're I trying like to MTV Cribs episode in my he, house? Or he's something? not going to buy tickets to a fight. No, he might be a fan and he might go follow you on social media, Yeah, but he's not going to move the needle. You're not going to move the needle with fans like that. You, that's the whole argument that I was trying to say is like, what really happens to a lot more people drink proper 12 now? With Connor behind it, yeah, Connor was able to go on and get a whole bunch of messaging about this Irish whiskey out there. But in reality, it's those those whiskey. fans that you're talking about aren't going to go buy Irish whiskey. Yeah, you know, there's some benefits to getting a name that big to where you can get an endorsement deal like that. But I've always said, like Connor did change the game, but Connor's probably in his head right now, going, "If I got to get a win." 
I got to my legacy as a fighter. I have to get a win. Yeah. You can't go. You can't tell me. Nobody would ever be able to persuade me that Conor McGregor would be happy going out against how he did against Poirier, how he went out, you know, like another Nate Diaz trilogy might be in the making. Who knows? Like they're one and one against each other. But there's no way that somebody that's in the fight game would want their legacy based on how his last few fights went. I just he could be worth three hundred million dollars. I get that. He could have the Lamborghini yachts and the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys and all that. But as a fighter, he did his job. He made a living. He made a livelihood. He was great for the UFC. He yeah. changed the way people looked at the UFC, the way that his tickets sold. He was pretty much a mastermind in a lot of ways. Yeah. But does it play with Connor's head in a negative way that his the way that he's ended his last few fights, there's no way that sits positive with him. No, you he can't. wants to go out as a champion and he doesn't want to do it against somebody that's a, 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 a you know, like what you say, a journeyman. He's got to prove himself, I think. Not yeah. to the fans. Connor he's got to go out on a win. He's got he's personally he does. I think. There's only one avenue to a win for Connor right now, though, for a guaranteed win for Connor. He fights Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler it's hard to be could crack him but honestly i think i think connor's a lot better than than michael chandler i think michael chandler i think he knocks michael chandler out honestly I for think, real yeah yeah i think nobody's I think knocked him out though he Ever, gets beat up yeah, and he looks he, like a he looks like he'd been in a dog fight i mean after and he's developed that reputation of Oliveira knocked him out a lot of people like he gets hurt in fights in and the like, ufc yeah connor hits you you go out like i mean every single person that's fought connor will tell you i've never been hit that hard in my life you know what I mean? Dustin Poirier said it. The toughest fucking dude I've ever seen fight in an MMA fight. The guy that like you want in a street fight because this dude's going to bite down and just start hitting people. Doesn't matter what Poirier. you do. Him. Yeah, Poirier. Bad, bad dude was like, I've never been hit harder in my entire life than when Conor McGregor hit me. And he said it like in all their fights, in all their fights. He was like, yeah, you know, he hurt me. He hurt me with a, you know, one shot. And it was kind of like he, Connor has that kind of like crack in his hands. I think he would knock out Michael Chandler. But it's also a dangerous fight because Michael Chandler's in super good shape. And Mike, like you said, Michael Chandler doesn't go away. I think the only avenue and the biggest avenue for the UFC for for Connor is the Diaz fight. Because I think Diaz, Diaz, is, Diaz is done, man. He's smoked. I watched him fight freaking Jake Paul. And that was just embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like... He can't fight anymore. He yeah, can't. but Jake Paul's knocked out everybody. He couldn't he, knock out Diaz. He went the full nine rounds. Yeah, I mean, but... Diaz is in shape all the time. Connor puts Diaz on, like, flattens him. No way. 100%. I'd take that bet in a heartbeat. Oh, now, he bet. looked okay in the bet. second fight. Let's but bet that it. fight could have probably went either way. I mean, Diaz destroyed him in the first fight. I mean, he tapped him but out. It's like, like, I mean, it's, Connor it's, had no it's, chance. It's He beat him with, like, pure toughness. You know what I mean? And that's... That toughness, like, goes away... You can't take shots the same way. Like after you get beat up like that, you're never the same. Like you can't take shots the same way. Everyone talks about like, oh, that guy's got a great chin. This guy's got a great chin. It's like you do realize that your brain is essentially sitting in a web. And every time it gets rattled around in there, that web gets weaker. So the next time you get rattled around, it takes less for you to like there's too much. So you say Connor knocks him out. Connor knocks him out. Connor knocks him out. It's funny the, the comment the first you just round, made about probably. Poirier. When Mendez just fought his last fight in the bare knuckle boxing league, he fought the Philadelphia Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, tough dude. And too. I would have bet everything I had that Mendez knocks him out in two rounds. Yeah. And then I saw Eddie Alvarez, and I'm like, "Holy shit, he hurt Chad. He knocked Chad Mendez down." And that showed me 
how unbelievable what Conor McGregor did. I mean, he dismantled that dude to win his second belt. Remember when he's a yeah. title holder? He beat up Eddie Alvarez so bad and hurt him with his punt with his hands. Do you remember that fight? Bang, bang, bang. Just smoked his ass. That bad. And Eddie Alvarez. He never got hit. He never got Eddie touched. Alvarez is tough. Yeah. He's tough and he wore every shot that Con and finally Connor ended him. Yeah. But that showed me like how hard Connor McGregor hits and how hard he is to fight on his feet. Yeah. And then, you know, we all know what Mendez did against Connor. I don't know what would have happened in a full fight camp because when Chad got a hold of him, he almost ended the fight with ground and pound in that, in that first round. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens with Mendez comes out of retirement, which I kind of think that he might. Like I'm thinking like he's hinting at it a little bit. I don't know for sure. I don't but think so. You don't think that a, a million dollar fight against Conor McGregor would get Chad Mendes out of uh, I retirement? I mean, I think Conor McGregor would get anyone out of retirement, but maybe. But it's like for Conor, Conor needs a big win over somebody with a big name. So he you agree needs, with me, though, that he's not happy in his mind as a fighter? Hell no. There's no possible way. I guarantee that motherfucker wakes up every single day with a pit in his stomach just as a competitor. You know what I mean? Like you take clients out on a hunt. It's a terrible hunt. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, what's the first thing you want to do? Get them back out there again. Exactly. You want to go freaking, you want it back right away, right? Any competitor wants that. Connor's been sitting on a bunch of tough losses in a row, like on his yacht, on you know what I mean? In his $70 million mansion, wherever he lives, like that dude is hurting. Like, I promise you, that's just, that's what makes great competitors. That's what makes somebody like Connor McGregor. And that's what that, you know what I mean? That's what makes any of us a great competitor is that like you, it fucking eats you alive. You know what I mean? When you underperform or when something goes wrong, it eats at you. You can't sit on it. You know what I mean? Like you don't feel right until you get it back, you know? So yeah, Connor, I think is probably in, in, in his like, head you know, a little bit. Huh? Oh fuck dude. He's in pain. It's like, imagine like the last 10 hunts of your season, you get skunked, yeah. just skunked. You don't shoot a single bird. You don't see a bird. And like you were sure that these were all going to be a one hunts, like you, everyone's killing limits. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of the same analogy because you work so hard all year to prepare like a fight camp, and then that fight camp can go away with the results that Connor's been getting. So I've always said on a lot of my MMA podcasts of the legacy of a fighter means everything to that fighter, and you don't want to go out if he comes back and gets another loss. Like it doesn't matter how rich you are. Now, in personally, he's made an unreal living. He's had a great career. You said it yourself that he changed the way fights happen. He changed the UFC. But you can't be mentally stable or mentally no optimistic. He should have been done after he beat Diaz. After he beat Diaz. He should have literally walked away into the sunset the same way Khabib did. Khabib was smart enough to know, like, dude, there's some bad motherfuckers. Like, no matter how good I am, eventually one of these dudes is going to catch me. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you see, like, the greats. They know when to walk away. You know, Connor should have known when to walk away, but, like, his ego just wouldn't let him. He had to go after Khabib. You know what I mean? He had to go after Poirier because it was a huge fight. He had to do it. He's like, I knocked him out once. I'll do it again. You know what I mean? And then it doesn't end the way he wants. And it's like, he's got to get that back. And like, now he's in a situation where. How did the second Poirier fight go? Poirier beats him. Yeah. Knocks him out or decision? Uh, knocked him out. And then the third fight was when Connor broke his broke ankle. Broke his leg, yeah. Broke his leg. But the, the second fight, like Connor hurts Dustin. You know what I mean? Hits him and you can see him kind of wobble. Like he's out on his feet. And then, you know, Dustin Poirier being the dog he is. 
kind of just like shakes the cobwebs off and like bites down on the moth guard and just goes after Connor and like ends up, you know, TKOing him. And then, you know, Connor's like, that's a fluke. And then goes after it again, breaks his leg. It's just, it's just been tough for Connor. You know, he really is like special as an athlete. Like he's a special athlete, Like that guy is good. And I think people, Very good. people forget that because they've seen the results. I'm like, but dude, this guy's fighting the best guys in the world. You know, the absolute best guys in the world. So it's, and like I said, it's a game of inches. You know, you watched, I watched Justin Poirier kick the shit out of Justin Gaethje the first time they fought, right? Poirier was hammering him and Justin, <laughs> Justin's tough and he time. stayed in there. Yeah. And then the next time they fight, Gaethje goes out and like Poirier's probably better than he was the first time they fought. You know, they're obviously both better. Justin Gaethje hits him with a head kick, knocks him out. You know, I still think Dustin Poirier is probably the better fighter. You know what I mean? But just like on that night, in that moment, like he got caught, he got fucking put down. And like that's fighting, that's MMA fighting. That's where it's different than boxing. It's like there are so many ways to win, so many ways to lose, and so many variables, you know, going into it. Injuries, timing, like everything, you know, like there's so much out of your control that, it's just a freaking wild sport. And I think that's what kind of draws people to it. I think it's why it's grown the way it has is because like, there's always that chance to where you watch a boxing match. You watch, you watch Floyd Mayweather fight somebody. It's a lot more calculated. It's more of a gentleman's game. It's, there's only two weapons. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot harder to catch one of those really good boxers, like a Floyd Mayweather or somebody like that. Which almost happened a few times, but he was able to yeah, adapt where yeah. in MMA, you get caught by Sugar Shane Mosley. Like he caught there's no, there's Mayweather. No, there's no 10 count. Then you he shoots I mean? a double leg, takes him down, rides him for a little bit or kit. Yeah. MMA is just a different level. That's there's why, no, there's no that's why count. you probably won't see Jake Paul come and fight Nate Diaz in MMA. Maybe you will if the money's right, but does Mayweather last a minute? With Connor in an Dude, MMA match, Connor dismantles him quick. I'm, right? I'm trying to. I'm. I try to explain this to people. Like, I would never go into a boxing gym, and like, because I. I mean, I, I came up in the boxing gyms in Detroit. You're gold gloves. In- I fought. Yeah, I was Golden Glove State champ. I fought some guys like, and I thought like I really knew how to box. You know what I mean? I won the gloves. And I'm like, I'm the man. I go to Detroit. I box with some of the guys at Crunk, and I'm telling you, there are levels to the game. Like these guys could fucking box. I couldn't put a hand on them. You know what I mean? And if I did hit him, like it had nothing on it. You know what I mean? They're just, their defense is so sharp. Even if you do get lucky and you land a shot on them, like they saw it at the last second and turned their face. So when you hit them, it's like nothing's there. You know what I mean? It doesn't hurt them at all. Like they're so good at what they do. But listen, that same guy, like, and I'll give an example, Tony Harrison, WBC champ, insanely good boxer. I was there doing a workout with one of my coaches and the guy that was supposed to warm Tony up for his sparring sessions didn't show up. And they're like, well, you do it. And I'm like looking at Tony like, dude, I got an MMA fight coming up. I'm not trying to get fucking a concussion today. You know what I mean? Because he can do that to me. And I know that. And he's no, no, no. He's like, we'll just, we'll just play. You know, he's like, we'll just play white boy. Come on, get in here. <laughs> and so like, you know, I'm like, I'm boxing and we're just, we're just feeling it out. We do three rounds. And like at the end of the third round, I'm like in tight. And he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Hit me, hit me, hit me. And he's like telling me to like, hit him with body shots and he's he's blocking everything moving slick as fuck and i see like i hear the 30 second bell go off anyways and i shoot a double leg and i like put tony on my shoulder right and i'm like carrying him around the ring everyone goes nuts put him down put him down what are you doing and like him and i were just messing around like he knew it was just a joke like afterwards he was like 
how easy would it be for you to just take me down and beat my ass? And I was like, about as easy as it was just then. And then like, there was like a mutual respect between us because he realized, like I knew for a fact that if him and I boxed, he, he he's knocked me out. But if we're in a real fight, you know what I mean? It's different. And then like after that, it was like a diff- I got like a different respect at the boxing gym. You know what I mean? Because like those guys came to realize like, oh shit, you know, like these MMA fighters could actually whoop our ass if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're in a boxing gym. We're just boxing, you know, but if, like these dudes start kicking us and taking us down, like they beat the shit out of us. And like, it takes, like, you have to feel that to know that, you know what I mean? Like I guarantee if Mayweather walked into Extreme Couture, an MMA gym, and he was like, yo, I want to spar somebody. Like the first guy we give him is like an amateur that's 120 pounds. And that guy goes out and kicks him in the legs a couple times and then shoots on him. And Mayweather's like, man, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, if I get in a street altercation, me and Floyd Mayweather in this room, I beat the dog shit out of him. You know what I mean? It's a different sport. It's a different yeah, thing. Not like, taking away because boxing is still. Oh man, the sweet but science. I'm saying, but we, yeah, like you put you Mayweather's the best of you all put time. Put gloves, you put gloves on us, and like he beats the living dog shit out of me. You know what I mean? It's a different. It's a completely different thing. And the thing is, is like boxing to me is a sport, and it's a fucking beautiful sport. I love watching it. I love to see how good these guys are, how fast they react to things. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about, you're fighting in a phone booth with somebody, and that dude can't hit you. Like you know, good you have to be to. You know what I mean? To master the skills these guys have and then to be able to like leverage punches the way they do. It's insane. Like a huge fan of boxing, but boxing is a sport. It's a gentleman's game. MMA fighting is fighting. You don't play MMA. You fight. You know what I mean? Like it is the closest thing to like real hand to hand combat in a life or death situation that you can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like dudes are trying to break your limbs. They're trying to choke you unconscious, which means they, it's like a simulated death match. Yeah. Kill tag. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like some dude can freaking take you down and choke you out. He can do whatever he wants to you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this dude could literally end your life. Yeah. The know? referee wasn't there. It could happen like that. Uh, literally. I mean, I think about it like, I mean, we were telling some war stories last night, but there's been altercations where. Like when I was a young man and like I just started MMA fighting, like I was out testing my skills and you know what I mean? Every opportunity I came, if somebody mouthed off to me, I was like, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? And like, I think about one story where they're like, there was this huge country boy, big dude, probably six, nine. He like squared up with me and I was like looking at him like, oh God, like this dude's going to hurt me. And he like winds up a big right hand. I duck underneath it. I jump on this dude's back. I choke him unconscious in 10 seconds. I mean, he fell like a tree and he is flat out. People are trying to wake him up. No one knows what's going on. And I was like, damn, I'm a, I'm a bad motherfucker. Like, I can, <laughs> Maybe I am a bad motherfucker. I can really, I can hurt people like that. You know what I mean? I saw the right hand coming from a mile away. Like I was on this dude's back and he was unconscious like before anybody even before there were like a crowd together, you know what I mean? The crowd gathered afterwards because old boy was laying there snoring and I was standing over him and I was like, anybody else? <laughs> Everybody's like, no. <laughs> Just smoked a big dude in the room. Yeah. I mean, it's wild, man. And it's crazy that like it, there are that many dudes out there doing MMA now that are like, you know, you never know like who you're going to run into. You know, like I don't look like, like I was saying, like I'm five, six, 
That's know, why street fighting is so dangerous. You don't know. Handsome, handsome man. Like that dude would put. A, you me. are a man, handsome man. That dude would have put everything he owned, six foot nine against your little five foot. Oh, seven dude, and, and everyone there would have done the same thing. They would have all bet on him. Yeah, they would but have been and, like, yeah, he's going to kill that little dude. You know, MMA had a, a a different effect on both sides of that spectrum, meaning that during the tap out days, everybody wore the tap out shirt. It got real yeah. famous on the show and mask and skyscrape and punk ass were doing their thing. Um, rest in peace, mask. But there was people that were putting the tap out sticker on their truck, wearing <laughs> the shirts because you could buy them at the Fuck. local mall and they didn't have any clue how to fight. Dorks. But everybody thought they were fighting. But now it's kind of that tap out mentality has kind of evolved into Dude, there's a lot of badasses walking around because there's yeah. a lot of gyms now. There's a lot of opportunity locally in a lot of these different communities and states and cities. Yeah. So you can't take anything for granted. When you see a guy walking around with a tap out shirt or a cinch gear, or, you know, whatever it is, clinch gear, I mean, well, now all of a sudden it goes to he maybe he is a, like that, nah, like what he, you just did. Here's the, th- here's the thing, though, is if you're a fighter and you're a real like you're a real badass, I promise you, like I saw a couple guys that I know at the airport coming here yesterday, like a couple guys in the UFC and they were dressed like normal dudes. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, yo, 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 Hey Justin, what's up, man? Oh, I see your point. And, and you know what I mean? Like they don't they, wear it on them. They you're not, you're not, I, you don't see me like rocking like tap out stuff. I don't wear. Okay. I, I said that I don't wrong. Wear a UFC Maybe you don't gear. have to wear a tap out shirt, but you can't just like go into a bar situation and see somebody that you're like, I would beat the living piss out of you. The next thing you know, he's got you in a Kimura freaking choking yeah. you out. Cause he's got a second degree black belt in jujitsu. Yeah. You just don't know. You can't, t- if I saw sugar Sean in public, I would probably like giggle like, <laughs> Really? I mean, like, but there, we- but there are towels though. There are towels, man. Like, like most time when you see a fighter, like you see the, the scar tissue around my eyes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and your you ears. know what I mean. Yeah, your ears. My you ears see- are all messed up. <coughs> you like, see, there, you see cauliflower ear. You like, walk away. I, I, I notice this stuff. You know what I mean. Like when I see a dude in a tap out shirt, I look at him for. 10 seconds and I'm like this dude has never been in a fight in his life you can tell uh, but I see somebody else in a tap out shirt and I look at him and you know what I mean like I look at his face is a little mangled you know his fucking hands are beat up he's you know his ears are are dusted up and I'm like oh that dude's legit and I'll go have a conversation with him you know what I mean right but it, yeah I mean there's a I mean and then you got the, the whole internet tough guy thing like every single dude thinks that they're like going to be so much more effective in a fight than the reality of it. You know what I mean? And the only way to figure that out is to go to an MMA gym and realize like, and How then, and then, and then watch yourself. Like not even, don't you, you don't even have to just to hit the bag. Just video yourself hitting the bag, video yourself. And I would tell any like guy that thinks he's like a bad dude, like video yourself hitting the bag and then watch it back and then be like, am I that guy? Cause I guarantee when you watch yourself fight, you're going to realize that you look like an absolute idiot. You know what I mean? Like everybody's tough until they get punched in the face. It's, it's hard to be good at this stuff because internal instinct tells you to like, get the hell out of there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't like, everyone's like, man, if I, if I get, if I just get mad, if I get mad enough, like I'm just going to wreck everything. And I was like, I will be 100% calm. You can be as irate mad as you want. I'm going to lace you up and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Like I could literally set, I'll literally have my phone in one hand and like beat you with the other hand. Like there's like, I mean, there's levels to like how good you are at something. Like I would never go grab a duck call and be like, you know, listen, I practiced with this duck call for two weeks. Like I'll, I'll beat you in a duck calling competition. Like it's just not possible. And that's what the the people on the internet don't understand. Like, oh, you're a pussy. I'm like, dude, I fight the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. You understand that? You know what I mean? And 
Like the me and those guys are like trading shots. Like, what do you think is going to happen when I decide that I've had enough of your shit and like I go after you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not the baddest motherfucker on the planet. You got no idea what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's like a cat with a ball of yarn. It's a different thing. And we're getting, I mean, we're getting way off topic. No, it's I'm not getting off topic. fired up, dude, because like all these little dorks online, I'm telling you, like if I could line them up outside, <laughs> put them in your but, garage, but but I would put but hands on them. that's what social media's done, dude. Yeah. It's made everybody a critic. You just got to yeah. be like, I know where I stand. I, I'm not going to teach you what you need to be like, but the whole mentality of you can talk shit to whoever you want. And I go into a gym or I go into an octagon deal and I train with, whether it was with Uriah or Mendez or Hendo or whoever it was. And I, and I look okay athletic, right? I've been around athletics long enough to where you're an athlete. Yeah, but I can punch and I can, I got some, and then you get in a fight and you get Dan Henderson in front of me. And the last thing I would ever do was want to throw hands with him. Not because I know his reputation, but they approach you different. They're just like, it's like, Oh God, it's flight or fight time. Right. And if you, and they're calm, and you can get in there and I could back up and I could throw jabs at Dan Henderson and I'll catch him. Like when me and you played hot hands, right? Like I'm like, oh man, I am a bad man. I'm quick. You're hurting my hands. But if you said, okay, now it's my game and we had to put up our dukes, put your dukes up. I got no dukes. Remember Adam Sandler? But if I had to do that, I get dismantled in a, and I weigh 50, 60, 100 more pounds than you, right? I'm 220 pounds, 218 pounds. You're 165, 170 right now. You destroy me with one body shot and an uppercut Mike Tyson style. And so does Mendez. I look at Mendez and I'm like, I could pick that little son of a bitch up and put him in my pocket and he would destroy me in under 35 seconds, probably faster than that. And that's the thing about fighting, man, is that you've got to understand that you might have a great jab or a great hook or something. You get hit. It's eyes watering, nose hurting. Like, you know, that that's different street fighting. Then you get that, that adrenaline going and you're like ready to roll. I'm telling you, man, if you street fight with somebody that knows how to fight, it's yeah. totally different than rolling around, you know, just country style where two guys might just be in a, in a, in a brawl. Yeah. And there are good street fighters that have never been trained. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I know good street fighters that lay people the F out. Yeah. I got a buddy that's like that. He's yeah. never trained or not. I got a buddy here in Reno that's like my brother, Clint, has never trained. And I've seen him hurt people. Yeah. Plenty of times. Right. Yeah, so yeah, no, there are people that are naturally like, but they've never fought you. But they're athletic too, you know. But like they've never fought yeah. somebody that trains eight yeah. hours a day to fight. That's yeah. a different mentality. I would assume that you probably would be a pretty badass street fighter after you have fought the best in the world. Well, let's say I know someone who's been in a few altercations that, you know, has a a, a lot of fights in the UFC. And uh, every time he's been in a street altercation in the last five years, it hasn't lasted more than 10 seconds. He just dismantled somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I can probably guess who it is. One shot. One shot, it's over. Yeah. And that's that's the thing about street fighting is you don't know what you're getting into. It's better just to freaking don't let the alcohol talk and just chill out and enjoy yourself and be lovable. Yeah, I, can, I, mean, I, could, I could tell some war stories. There's one that's actually pretty recent, like it wasn't even that long ago. Uh, it's a street fight with you. Mm-hmm. Now, don't you have to be careful as a professional fighter? Yeah. Like, can't yeah. your hands yeah. get like licensed? I'm not, as- I'm not saying I'm not saying it's with me. I'm I'm saying like I witnessed this happen. Oh, so can't your hands be considered dangerous weapons? No, that's. I mean, that's a myth. Is that like, a myth? Not like re- like a registered weapon, but imagine you and I are at a bar. You start drawing off to me, and I I punch you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you know you want to press charges on me. You know, they let me know. What do you think the first thing your lawyer is going to do? He's going to Google my name and 
everything that I've done in MMA is going to come up and then they're going to be like, oh yeah, this man fighter. is a trained professional fighter. He, you know what I mean? Assaulted. And they're going to, they're going to paint me to be like some kind of fucking Even though psychotic. I was just running my mouth in there. Yeah. They're going to paint me to be like some kind of psychotic maniac who just wants to hurt every single person he meets. And like that, I mean, and then, you know what I mean? They're going to, they're going to close the book on me. So, I mean, it's, it's not like, you're not like a registered weapon, but at the same time, like, I can't just go out and I'm like, I, and I don't want to, you know what I mean? I fight for a living. Like I, I have no, I don't need to prove to anybody that I'm tough and that I can fight. You know what I mean? No, like, if I you're in a that, situation for, and your girl, your fiance is getting messed with. Yeah. You're going to be, I mean, if I, if you're, you're absolutely, to, you back me in a to. corner and there's, I have no other option than to like defend and like, it, it will never be me. You know what I mean? It's never going to be a situation where like someone's talking crap to me. Like, unless you like really start like trying to like throw punches and hurt me, like I'm never going to. I'm never going to start a fight with somebody. You know what I mean? There's not, there's nothing in it for me to do that. You know what I mean? But if you go after, you know, my brother, you go after like, yeah, someone I care about, then you know what I mean? I might have to step up and, and smack somebody. I mean, it has happened. Do you, do you, we'll, we'll start coming to an end here. Circling back to your roadmap. Who's the next fight you want right now at this point in one, in your weight division? <sighs> this guy named Brad Katona. I actually just talked to Jason House about it earlier. He says hi, by the way. Did he? Yeah, he said I like that up? guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's, he's your dude. agent. Yeah. He's going to be my agent. When you get in the UFC. I don't know if I would get in the UFC or if I would go, like, I would probably want to be a, some kind of prize fighter, but it would probably be boxing. I love the science of boxing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trained at all, but I have some wrestling background. I love that part of the UFC because I'm an absolute huge wrestling fan. Yeah. And I was kidding about I'd become anything, but- Looking back at, and I'm a huge fight fan. There's something. You're 18 years old. There's something about the art of boxing. Like you talked about in the way you described it today. And I love it. Trust me. I love jujitsu and I love folk style wrestling and freestyle and Greco-Roman. I love all of the different martial arts. Like Ryan Bader was on my podcast last week. He's a Bellator heavyweight champion. He told me every kid should get in martial arts at some point in their life. I truly believe that. But there's something about the science of boxing that you described of how Sugar Ray Leonard could just stick that jab and move back and somebody miss him and somebody's coming to land a left hook on his jaw and at the last second he turns his head and just absorbs it because yeah. he's trained to see it and his his vision is so unreal and his ring science and his his ring experience and his ring knowledge is just like God dang, those guys are hard to so hit. So much strategy. In and they're getting hit a lot. And they're getting hit in the arms and they're protecting themselves. They're out of breath. I mean, you're just going nonstop. MMA is probably more taxing because, you know, you, different you, muscle there's different muscle groups and different techniques. But there's something about boxing that was always so intriguing to me. And that's what got yeah. me into the fight game. And kept, And I love the UFC. I'm a huge fight fan. I love watching the UFC. There are a lot of fights now. I can't keep up with them. I don't know yeah. the rosters as well as I used to. It's impossible. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know them. It's my job to know. Like, but I do love I watch guys fight. And I'm like, I don't I, even know who this is. I love that you're able to do what you do and how much success you have. And I want you to kick some ass. I want you to get the big fight. I think it's very honorable to be able to develop a skill set to go in and put yourself in a position to fight another i mean we've been this has been since the roman empire times and the gladiator days like there's something about that like what would happen if i had to go toe-to-toe with another man and then women are doing it now and women fighting has gotten exciting you know ronda rousey gina carano or trailblazers for that and now women women's fighting has gotten huge in in the ufc so I don't know if I would want my daughter 
getting into i love her in jujitsu and i love her rolling around yeah. and learning this just like no, yeah to, like you'd want her to like know that you fight know, have that, some the, skills you don't even be able to defend it i think there's a big confidence boost i think you know what i mean like when i see you know females that that fight maybe not even fight that female because most of the female fighters i know are absolutely out of their mind but you know women that train they have different confidence about it. there's a self-confidence that it gives you i think man or woman you know what i mean like yeah you know like even the even the like the guys that i train with that aren't you know professional fighters like these guys they carry themselves a little bit different just because you know there's a confidence and a discipline that comes with with martial arts with wrestling like i would 100 percent tell any parent like you have a kid energetic kid you want this kid to be a high performer in life make him a wrestler because wrestling is a one-on-one match and it's really a match with yourself and you have to be it teaches you discipline it teaches you hard work and like all the guys i know that are high level wrestlers are also like they're high level professionals they're professional people that you know what i mean are disciplined that are hard working it just gives you the character traits that you need to kind of succeed at life and they're tough you know what i mean they're tough like things can go bad and they don't care, you know what I mean? They no. they keep working. They're you know, ready. They're, a, they've kept the pressure on themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because wrestling just teaches you, you know what I mean? Like you might go down 08 in a wrestling match and you got to figure it out and come back and win. It's wrestling just teaches you things that, and that's why, you know, you know, outside of like just a straight skill set, you know what I mean? Like being able to wrestle in an MMA fight is super important, but like that's why wrestlers succeed in MMA is because they're mentally tough. Like they just... They're like you're bred when you come up wrestling. You're bred to be mentally tough. You're bred to, you know, work hard and to have the discipline to do the exact same things every single day. You know what I mean? Have a good diet, you know, take care of yourself and like do all these things, uh, you, you know, that only a sport like wrestling can teach. I couldn't like, agree more. I uh, really couldn't agree more. A, a kid growing up. And you said about life. It is community leaders. It's a, it's what you need. That background of wrestling is so. Yeah. So beneficial. Even if you don't go on to be a college wrestler or a MMA fighter, the college wrestling in high school and, and club level can teach you so much about yourself, about, yeah. you know, you are training with a team, but once you get out there and it's mono mono, it's like, that's a different mindset. And wrestling yeah. is so beautiful to watch when it's done right. If you're watching yeah. Kyle Dake or David Taylor, or Kyle Snyder or, or Jordan Burroughs, like I'm naming t- today's wrestlers. And I know it goes back to John Smith and Gable and, and Kale and all these guys. Wrestling is just beautiful to watch when it's done right. Yeah. It's a freaking game and I'm, it's, it's, it's like nothing other. And I, K- I would agree hundred percent. If there's one regret I have in life, there's two of them in my athletic career that I have in life. Not getting into wrestling and gymnastics earlier in life yep. to to establish core strength and balance and that toughness and the grit that comes with it. I don't know if I would have taken it to the level that you yeah, have. Yeah, no, no. But I love the fight game. I wish I would have done some kind of like that's probably my only regret as an athlete is not having like some kind of gymnastics experience. You know what I mean? Like as a young man, yeah, you know what I mean. If, if you're gonna, if I was gonna build a young man to be like the yeah. stereotypical best fighter in the world. Like you would start them off in gymnastics, then you would have them do dance, and then you would have them play every sport he could get his hands on. Get his footwork down. Just yeah, exactly. Like have the different muscle paths to like be a great athlete, and then then teach him how to wrestle, then teach him how to box, then teach him how to do jujitsu. You know what I mean? Because once he like established that base core of you know just like athletic responsibility, being agile, being you know what I mean, being balanced. Like it's so much easier to take 
somebody. Cause I mean, I, I owned a gym for a long time and like I trained people and like, if you take somebody that's athletic, you can teach that person anything. You know what I mean? Like they can pick stuff up. They pick it up a hundred times faster than someone that's unathletic. Yep. I mean, I had clients that I had for years and they paid me and like, it got to a point where I was like, listen, I'm, like, I'm going to take now. your money, but you're not, you're never going to, you're never going to like, you, please don't tell me that your goal and all this is to, cause some of them had goals. Like I want to fight in MMA. Oh, man, really? Please. You know what I mean? And then we would train for two years and they'd be like, what do you think? Am I ready? And I'm like, dude, yeah, you know, I had to be honest with them. You know what I mean? That's my responsibility as their coach to be like, you will never be ready for this. Like yeah. a, some young kid that's athletic is going to murder you. It doesn't matter how hard you train. You'll never be able to do this. I'm sorry. I like you know that I idea. Mean? I mean, if you watch somebody like Conor McGregor shoot a basketball or swing a baseball bat, he doesn't look very athletic. I think that if you establish your athleticism early in life. I bet he would. No, I've Connor's seen him a good shoot athlete. a basketball. He don't look really? like he's an athlete. Now, I mean, he wasn't a basketball player, so he didn't have like basketball form. Yeah, but if, but you, dude, take a, if you take a baseball player. You put me on any sport, I can play it. I get it. But wrestling 100%. didn't teach you that. No, football. Wrestling, a lot football, of wrestlers rugby, that I've been around are not. Basketball, A baseball, lot of wrestlers that just wrestle are not very super established unathletic. Athletic, unathletic guys. One of my one of my best friends, like a, he's a better wrestler than me. He's but he can't play more ping accomplished. Pong. He can't play ping pong, I bet. He's more accomplished than me in wrestling. I can whoop his ass in a wrestling match because I'm so much more athletic. And then in like in fighting, it's so hard to teach this guy stuff because he's just not coordinated like that. And then that. you got somebody like Bo Kindred that comes out of Penn State and he's on a tear in the UFC because he's athletic and he's got that wrestling background. Bo Nickel, yeah, yeah. Did I, no, I didn't say Bo Kindred. Bo Kindred's another guy. Bo Nickel out of Penn State. Like this Stupid kid is on athlete. a streak, right? Stupid good athlete. Yeah. And, and, and he's and, out playing basketball before his fights and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just you ever hear that stuff. story about Roy Jones Jr.? Uh -oh. was late for one of his title fights. They had to helicopter him in because he was playing pickup basketball before he was about to fight for, you know, $30 million or something. And then he lost track of time and he was like, he was losing and he like kept trying to like play again and went and checked his phone. He's got 400 missed calls and everyone's looking for him. And he's like, yo, I'm at the basketball court. And they're like, you got to be here in 30 minutes. Of your Wait, he was, he was, he forgot he had a fight that night. No, he didn't forget. He was just playing lost basketball and lost track of time. Usually you're in the hotel room in the, in the, so they literally had a, they had a hell. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how athletic and how confident Roy Jones was. They literally had a helicopter land on the basketball court, pick him up and take him to the arena. Holy shit. Cause he was going to be late. Like, I'm like, man, you know how crazy and athletic and confident you have to be to be like, what time do I got to fight? No, I'm going to play like three hours of basketball before. And, and then, then just go, go in and have some of the best. Oh, and that was like, the, I, was, I, I think that was the fight where he had his hands behind his back and knocked that dude out. God, he was awesome to watch. I, oh me, and you, so me and you got to talk athletic. with him that night yeah, in, yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, I forgot we met him. All right. That's great. Cody Stamen right there. UFC badass. Keep him in mind when you're be watching some upcoming fights. He's going to go on a tear. We're going to the gym in an hour from right now. I'm going to get you a little protein. I got you a little uh, sub sandwich ready, Cody, and then I'm taking you through workout. Do you think you'll be able to keep up? With you? Yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you all very much for listening. Hope you're enjoying the new episodes, the new guests, the new messaging. Holler at us at info at thislifeaintforeverybody.com if you got any guests or topics you want to hear. We're fired up about the future. Appreciate you all support. This episode, again, was brought to you by the great Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Cody and I are going to share one tonight. We're going to each have one. Cody's in studio. We'll be hanging out. We're going to go train and jump rope right now. See how good of a jump roper he is. I'm going to video and post some videos 
of him jump roping in our gym. We'll be at Triple S soon. Thank you all for listening. Honestly, if I get in a street altercation, me and Floyd Mayweather in this room, I beat the dog shit out of him. Oh, but he's getting destroyed right now by Stamos. Tony, the Spartan This life ain't for everybody. It feels good. It's cool. Oh, God, it felt good. Yeah. With Chad Belding. We cook a lot, and we like our wild game to be legit. Our recipes mean a lot to us, out of the box, unorthodox thinking, that provider mentality. We eat what we harvest, we eat what we catch. I love the organic lifestyle and nutrition and diet. We eat wild game seven days a week in one meal, sometimes two and three meals. My daughter, Alyssa, loves eating wild game. My nephew, Chase, all of our family has grown up and still lives on the value of sustainability. And Napa Valley olive oil is there for us. The Particelli family are hunters. They're fishermen, they're outdoorsmen, they're gatherers, they're providers. They are old Italian heritage that loves the outdoors. And this product, Napa Valley Olive Oil, located in the wine country of Napa, it's an amazing place. The store is amazing. The salamis, the cheeses, the fresh Italian meats, the sodas, the pastas, all of the different anchovies, everything that you need to do to be a complete outdoor chef. And even if you're cooking domestically, Napa Valley Olive Oil is bottled, old school style. The brand is amazing. The flavor is amazing. The culture of Napa Valley Olive Oil, the friendship we have with Ray Ray and Dante and Jules and Stefano and the entire family, the entire Particelli clan means the world to us. Get online, NapaValleyOliveOil.com and order the different flavored oils, the garlic, the lemon, you name it, they have it. It's Napa Valley Olive Oil. We're proud to have them in all of our recipes at The Foul Life, The Foul Life TV on the Outdoor Channel and The Provider Life. Look for more recipes at TheProviderLife.com. Get yourself a provider cookbook. Napa Valley Olive Oil is all over it. Thank you to the Particelli family and thank you all for supporting the brands that support us. This life ain't for everybody. This life ain't for everybody. I don't know if I'd want to be a fighter. The discipline it takes, the mental aptitude, the toughness, the athleticism, the technique, the mechanics, the discipline, like I said before, got to be so well-rounded. Got to have that wrestling background, I would think. And Cody's got it. But to be in shape all year round in case you get that call, if something happens and somebody falls out of a fight and you got to step in or you do get a fight in that camp six or eight weeks, the nutrition, the discipline, your body getting beat up, the maintenance and how you maintain that body, the rest that you need. There's so much that goes into it. The coaching staff of each discipline, your trainers, Cody's got it going on. I know he's going to be back. He's a great fighter. That was an awesome conversation. This dude is a blast to have around. Trust me, I've been in camp with him. I've been at events with him. He loves the smoky and the ribs in in a soft way and then tell you look you look at me one more time we're going to be rolling around a little bit but he never means it he's fun loving he's a great buddy of mine and we have a lot in common this dude supports a lot of the same things that we do right here at this life ain't for everybody i hope you enjoyed that please tell your friends about it spotify pandora apple music apple podcast you can find us on youtube it's this life ain't for everybody we're fired up for the future we got a lot of great guests and themes and topics coming up i hope you're enjoying our sub-series, breaking it down with myself and Alex Crosby. Cody Stamen, a UFC Bantamweight great. He's about to be back in the octagon, I think this November 2023. I'm going to be cage side with him. I'm going to take time out from Duck Camp to go support my man. Whip some butt. I think this conversation whips some butt. I think they all do. I hope y'all are loving it. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the original Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I can't wait to be back with my JD family and 
Lynchburg, Tennessee. I'm Chad Belding. Remember, this life ain't for everybody. I promise you it ain't. We'll see y'all soon.